we have the greatest message of all. It is the message that uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Sometimes we call that the gospel. It's got three parts. We've done this many, many times. But there's the message, the response, and the offer. The message is that God sent his son to die and rise again. That's the message. Jesus died and rose again, died on the cross to pay for sin, rose again to conquer death. The response is to believe in him, to believe in him, and the offer is eternal life. And so when we think of John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. That's it. So the message, he died and rose again. The response is to believe. The results is eternal life, or the offer is eternal life. And they, we see that this is the message that Paul proclaimed clearly, that Peter proclaimed, that all the apostles proclaimed, that Jesus proclaimed. When you really look at it, salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. So whoever believes will never perish but have eternal life. Well, we're to take this message into the world. Well, how do we do that? How can we get the message of Jesus Christ to this world. Think about it. Here's some ways. First of all, from the Bible and books. I mean, we can send Bibles everywhere. We can get books everywhere. We can send books about Jesus, books about the salvation message, books about the Bible. And, and, but you look at Paul, uh, he, he really couldn't send many books around. I mean, there's a place where he writes toward the end and says, tell somebody to get the parchments that he left at a certain place. And that was some writings. But to say, send a book around, they didn't really do it that way. They were copying, uh, you know, things. And so we, we have something that we have the Bible all in one book and we can send it around. There's not, there wasn't a printing press at the time of Paul. The second thing, think about radio and television. Like today, you, you, could, you can listen to somebody all over the world just on the radio or on TV and on satellites and all those things. You can hear and see anything basically you want, but not in Paul's day. There wasn't anything like that. And then you think about this, the Internet. This is amazing. There are podcasts and live streaming and websites. And do you realize that, that on a Sunday morning, this little thing right here goes out all over the world? There are people in Korea that watch us every Sunday morning. There are people in, in different parts of the, of, of the country, people in Canada. And they're all over the world that watch our service. Okay, and, but so there's the, and there's podcasts. You can you can say I, I want to listen to somebody, and you just put his name in. And most of the time, they've got some kind of podcast or something, and you can listen to that. You can go to people's websites, and you can get all kind of information. We get, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way to go. We get we get people from uh, pastors from Africa all the time. I mean, at least at least five or six a month that write us saying, we saw your website, we saw your message, we want you to partner with us. Well, the truth is we can't. We can't partner with everybody. We're already partnering with the people in India. We're partnering with a few other people, but they want us to partner with them because they, you know, they, they went to our website, they saw the message and things like that. And then think about this. We can go anywhere. We can go anywhere. We can get on a plane and in a matter of hours be almost anywhere in the world. Think about that. Paul... Has to, had to walk just about everywhere he went or rode uh, some kind of an animal. And, I mean, you can fly on an airplane or, or a train, and, but not in Paul's time. I mean, there were donkeys and horses and sailing ships. And so if you wanted to go to Rome, you do, you, 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 it's going to be tough to walk to Rome, let me just tell you. And if you're going to get there, you're probably going to have to go on one of those ships, and it could take months to get there, months to get there. And so, it, and so, wow. And so we should say today, we could get the message out faster than anybody in the history of the world. Anyway, 
And, and so if we want to, and that's one reason right now, if you've gone to our website lately, we're redoing it. And it's the old one's still up, but the new one is about ready. And we're just make, we're going to make it a lot easier to get to. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but everybody thinks that the people who go to the website all the time are the people in the church. Not No. The people who go to the website all the time are people who are, who are not in our church who want to find out what we believe and they want to hear the messages. Now, there may be people in our church that say we want to hear messages we missed. Most of you are here, so you don't. But, but primarily the website is a door to the church. It's not just information for believers. I tell you, the information for believers is the mobile phone app because on that app, and a lot of you don't have it on that app. You press that button, it goes to the app. It, it, every one of the, uh, of the information, all of the uh, things about what's going on, all of the announcements, the bulletin is there. And there's actually a way that there's the bulletin and the outline and places for you to write. You can use your phone and write and take notes on that app. And we tell people all the time, be sure and download the app. And I have some people say, y'all have an app? I said, well, we've only had one for a long time. But anyway, so just think of all the things that are out there. Well, how did Paul take the message to the world? Well, we're going to see this morning real quickly in this little study uh, before we go to grow group time. We're going to look at three things. We're going to see first century travel. We're going to talk about key cities at this time. And then we're going to talk about Paul's journeys, and we're just going to start on it. And if you remember back in chapter 11, uh, this was God was preparing Paul, and brief review, God was preparing Paul for his ministry. And if you remember, there were five, this is not the five cities we're going to look at in a minute, but there are five places that God took him. Paul was on the way to Damascus to uh, arrest the believers and bind them and bring them back for punishment. And he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, believed in Christ for eternal life. And then he was in Damascus for a while. And then when God took him into Arabia, which was like out in a desert type area, he was there maybe three years. Paul talks about it in Galatians. And there he says he was with Jesus. He got his message from Jesus. He got his authority as an apostle from Jesus. After three years, it comes back. All the, the book of Acts says, after many days. That's what it says, after many days, maybe three years. He comes back and leaves Damascus and goes down to Jerusalem. He's there for a while. They didn't believe that he was an apostle at first. They didn't believe he was a believer at first. But uh, Barnabas came up and said, yes, he is. And so then he started helping them, and he started telling people about Christ, got in all kinds of arguments. They wanted to kill him. So they said, Paul, maybe you ought to leave. And so he went back home to Tarsus, and he disappears for a while. In fact, the best we can tell from the time Paul went to Tarsus until he comes back to Antioch is almost 10 years. So we, we don't know what he did for those 10 years. Maybe he was thinking about all the things Jesus taught him, and maybe systematically, you know, and Paul was probably systematically thinking about how to do that. And then we noticed that Barnabas went to into Antioch and got, got that people, so many people were believing. He said, I've got to have some help. And he thought of Paul. And so he went and got him and said, come back and help us. And so he did. And so this is where we end it. And if you chat, look at Acts chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, now there were at Antioch in the church that were there, prophets and teachers, and then he names them. There's Barnabas, he's the first one, and Simeon, who's called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mahan, who had been brought up with here, the Tetrarch, and Saul, and that Saul is Paul. So there are five, probably five main people. And so when we look at the background, we're seeing now Paul is in Antioch, and what's going to happen? 
what's going to happen? Well, from here, we, we talk about first century travel. Now, your handouts, I think, has got one wrong word typed on it, but that it's, yeah, that's, it's not anything to worry about. If you see in first century travel underneath that, it says pack Roman, it's supposed to be Romanus. That's uh, Latin for the peace of Rome. When Paul lived, the Roman Empire, Rome had taken over the known world. And at that time, travel was better than it ever been before. Uh, the, the, it was the easiest it had ever been up to that time. Why? Because the old saying is what all roads lead to what? to Rome, because they had built this system. A guy by the name of Lionel Casson is a historian. He writes and says this, The first century travel was great, and one could make their way from the shores of the Euphrates River all the way to England and Scotland without crossing foreign borders, because Rome ruled it all. And so under Rome, there was peace. Now, it was peace because it was strength, because they conquered everybody and told everybody to sit down. And so they ruled, and they ruled pretty tough. But there was, there was travel. There was all kind of things. And uh, Paul traveled. We see that he went on three missionary journeys. He went on a fourth journey, ended up going to Rome itself. And so he traveled all over what we'd say is the known world. And his plan still, he even told the, the people in Rome, he says, I'm going to go to Spain. And when I go to Spain, I'll try to come by and see you. That's what he thought. We don't know. What, what he, he didn't know what was going to happen to him. He was either walking by horse, donkey, or a ship. That's how he traveled. So Paul set his heart on taking the message far beyond where others had taken it. And that's what Paul wanted to do. He said, I want to take the message to people who've never heard. He said, I don't want to build on another person's foundation. I want to go and I want to take the message to people who've never heard. And he did. And we're going to see in these next few weeks, uh, we're going to see Paul's journeys. We're going to go really quickly through them. We're not going to take a lot of details. Uh, we've studied the book of Acts before, and we've taken details as we taught, verse by verse, all the way through. And uh, the missionary journeys are Acts 13 and 14, and then Acts 16, 17, 18, then 19, 20. So there's three journeys. They all put in the book of Acts. It gives us all kind of information about it. Well, what about, what about cities? What were the key cities? At the time that Paul lived, what was the world like? What cities were there? Well, let me show you this. Here's a map. And I just, just kind of look at this. Here are the main cities. And the first one is Jerusalem. It's the capital of the world. It's the Jew, it's, that's where it is. Then there's Antioch, and, and there's two Antiochs. There's another Antioch about right there, but this is called Antioch Presidia. This is the other Antioch. This is where the church exploded. That's where people were first called Christians. That's where Paul and Barnabas are ministering. That's one of the main cities. And then the third one is Ephesus. The Ephesus, the, the, the city of Ephesus, and we're going to talk more about it in just a second, was amazing. And Paul spent a lot of time there. And then another great city is Corinth. When I say Corinth, it was like a seaport of the world. And Corinth, we know when you say Corinthians, what, the, what it's like. And then the last one is Rome. So there are the five cities. Let me talk about them. Let's talk about Jerusalem for a minute. Everything started there. Everything started there. Jesus told the disciples, he said, you and me, I witnessed both in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He says, you start there. And Jerusalem was the key. It was the center of the Jewish people, but it was also the beginning of the church and the spread of the message of Jesus Christ. Paul had studied at Jerusalem. It was the key city. And I could just say it this way. Jerusalem is the capital of the world. 
And when Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords, he's going to rule from Jerusalem, not Tel Aviv, and not New York City or Washington, D.C. He's going to rule from Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So that's a great city. Here's the second one. Antioch. Antioch was the missionary church. It really was. Jerusalem wasn't the missionary church. In fact, the only reason people even spread out from Jerusalem was because of the persecution. It says persecution came and everybody spread except the apostles. It says that. Read that in the book of Acts. They didn't leave. And, and we want to say, I thought y'all were supposed to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, and they didn't go. And so God used persecution to do it. And so people went up to Antioch, and they led those people to Christ, and so much things happened that Barnab- they sent Barnabas up there, and so many great things were happening that they, Paul came. And we're going to see that after a while, after they did this for about a year, God sends them out. And so Antioch becomes the missionary church. And when Paul goes on his missionary journeys, he doesn't go back to Jerusalem. He leaves from Antioch, and he goes back to Antioch. He goes back to the home church. The home church for Paul was Antioch, and it is the missionary church. The third one is Ephesus, and we get the letter to the Ephesians. I think it's one of the most important cities in all of the world. Paul spent three years teaching there. Now, I want you to understand something, that Paul was there, and he taught, and all around him were these cities. And it says that as Paul taught in Ephesus for three years, the message of Jesus Christ spread all around there. You may remember the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, the first three chapters deal with what? He's writing to the seven churches. Those seven churches are the churches that were formed when Paul was in Ephesus and explaining the message, and it was going out all around them. Uh, Ephesus, uh, in Ephesus was the temple of Diana. And this is where they had this big temple. They believed that Diana fell from heaven and came up out of the ocean, and she's a goddess, and they worshipped her. And, of course, Paul had issues there because he went and he told people that, no, there's only one God that's not her. Let me just tell you that. And so they had all But he spent three years teaching there. And then Corinth, wow, seaport of the world. I mean, you look at Corinth. It, it, Paul was there, and Paul taught for a year and a half in Corinth. Now, just get this. Three years in Ephesus, a year and a half in Corinth. And when you think about Corinth, you think of Las Vegas. That's what you think of, because Corinth was a wicked area. The the city was one of the most wicked cities in the world. They had a a, a temple in Corinth that was, you know, and uh, they had prostitutes, both male and female prostitutes, and it was part of their religion. And and so it was a wicked place. That's why when you read the Corinthian letter and you stay, uh, Paul says, come behind in nothing, you're the greatest, and then he starts dealing with all their issues. And their issues... Uh, were, they got drunk at the Lord's Supper. They denied the resurrection. They had conflicts with it. Some people said, I belong to Paul. Some people said, I belong to Peter. And, and they got all kind of conflicts going on. They, there was an issue of meat offered to idols, which you go, what does that mean? It just means, should you, do you do something that's going to that's gonna hurt somebody else's feelings? I mean, that kind of thing. And I mean, just they, they had issues with sexual relations. Because they actually write to Paul, and Paul's, they write to him about a question about, are you supposed to have sex for marriage? And Paul writes back to him in 1 Corinthians 7 and says, it's good for a man not to what? Touch a woman, except if you're going to be married. So, I mean, he has to deal with all these issues. And spiritual gifts, he has three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, of dealing with spiritual gifts because they, they were misusing all of the spiritual gifts. 
And so when you say Corinth, but had so many problems, and yet he was there for a year and a half, and he taught them, and it was amazing. And then last, Rome, the capital of the world. The Roman Empire, uh, all roads lead to Rome. Paul, as a Roman citizen, actually said, I appeal to Caesar. That was a huge thing. Only Roman citizens could appeal to Caesar. And they, they, the Jews wanted to kill him, and, and the Romans had him in prison. And they said, well, you stand before the Jews, and he'd already stood before the Jews. And he said, no, I'm not going to stand before the Jews. I'm going to appeal to Caesar. And they said, okay, you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. And so that's why Paul ended up in Rome. He originally wanted to go to Rome just to go by there, talk with them, because there was already a church there. There was already a church at Rome before Paul ever went there. People had believed and gone to Rome, and a church was already there. And Paul was just going to pass by there, but he ended up going as a prisoner. So some great, great truths. Well, that gives you some background on the cities. So when you study the Bible and you see Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, those are all letters written to these cities. I mean, we didn't mention Philippi, but it was a Roman colony. We'll talk about it more when we see on the first missionary journey, on the second missionary journey when Paul goes to Philippi. Philippi was named after Philip of Macedonia, who was the father of Alexander the Great. <coughs> so there's history everywhere. I did a study. <coughs> I did a study last last fall on uh, uh, Jesus and his world, and we went back and looked at history all over everywhere, uh, going all the way back to Abraham and just looking at right before Jesus came, after the, after the captivities and all of that stuff. There's a lot there. And so when you think about the Roman Empire and Alexander the Great before the Greeks and the Macedonians and the Romans and, and the flow of history, it's amazing. So let's think about Paul's journeys, okay? And he, he had three missionary journeys and then a, mission, a journey to Rome. And so we're going to talk about that. But let's, let's just think for a second. We, we've seen some of the cities, and we, we want to talk about it. The key to Paul's life and ministry was his faithfulness. And I think this is the key to our lives. If we want to have an impact for Jesus Christ, you just have to be faithful. He didn't say famous or smart or handsome or fast. or He didn't say anything. He just said, just be, it's required of stewards to be found faithful. And that just means whatever God has for you to do, just to do it. And you may think in yourself that it's not very important, but we already know that everything that everybody does in the body, whole body works together and we don't work. The proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body. So every person is important. So for every one of us in this room, we have to be faithful. That's the key. Faithful to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to us. That's, that's the key. And think about it. The key is now. We live now, we minister now, we're to be faithful whenever and wherever we are. And, and when I say now, I put that up on purpose because sometimes we say things like, when I get a little older, when I get this, pay, when I get this done, when I get out of school, when I get the kids in school, when I get the kids out of school, uh, when I retire, we always, always a different time than now. It's now. We live now and we minister now. You have gifts, talents, and abilities now. We're to be faithful now. And so often we say, I'm too young, and sometimes we say, I'm too old. You're never too young and you're never too old. You're always just right. It's just the way it works. And God wants to use you for his glory. So let's think about this, and let's just turn to, uh, that's what 1 Corinthians 4, 2 is required stewards to be found faithful. Faithfulness in ministry is the key. So here's the question for all of us. Where are you serving now? 
How, where are your gifts? How are you using your gifts, talents, and abilities? If Paul could look back on his life and just say the key that Paul that made Paul's life amazing uh, was the fact that he was just faithful. And what's going to make your life amazing? You're faithful. That's what it boils down to. Okay, so let's, let's look at Acts. We're at Acts 13, and we're going to see what happened as they get ready to go on what we call the first missionary journey. I'm going to give you just a little background, and then we'll break to go to the grow groups. But Acts 13, look at verse 1. Now, there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Now, a prophet, a prophet got direct revelation from God. Did you know Paul was a prophet? He got direct revelation from God. He was also a teacher. He was also an apostle. I mean, he had, he had at least three or four spiritual gifts. He, he could speak in tongues, by the way. So he had the gift of tongues. He was a prophet. He was an apostle. He was a teacher. Uh, so that's, that's four spiritual gifts right there that Paul had. We're not even counting all the other things. He probably had the gift of leadership, administration, because he planned all this stuff and did everything. I mean, and, and just, just think about his life. Amazing. So it says there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas was one, and Simeon was one, and then Lucius and Mahan, who was one, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. This is a guy who's teaching and ministering at the church, and he actually was brought up with Herod. And then it says, and Saul. Of course, that's Paul. And they're all there. And what are they doing? They've been teaching. And we, we know that uh, they stayed there about a year, about a year. And then it goes on to say, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, while they're ministering, uh, they're Saul and Barnabas, and, 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 and well, let me go back. While they were ministering and serving, so here's the deal. Some people say, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, well, get moving and I'll tell you, right? Sometimes we just sitting around waiting for God to tell us to do something or, you know, maybe what do, we, what do you want me to do? He says, if you just start doing stuff, I'll, I'll get you to the right place. Don't worry. Just be found faithful. Isn't that what it's all about? And, and so they're ministering and serving and doing everything. And he says, set apart. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me ask you this. It says, while they're ministering to the Lord, in fact, in fact, the Holy Spirit said. How did the Holy Spirit say it? He doesn't say, does it? Does it say that all of a sudden they went, I think, I think the Holy Spirit just said something? Or did they say, you know what, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me? Or did, 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 he, did the Holy Spirit in some way show up in some, something? We, I, it didn't say. All it says, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to do. And I, this is going to be the second part of Paul's life. The first part, he's a teacher. Uh, he's, been, well, he's Actually, he's, he's an evangelist to begin with. He's proclaiming, and they keep running him off and running him off. And so then he is a teacher for about a year, and now he's going to be what we call a church planner. He's going to go to different places, lead people to Christ, and train them and equip them and help them get their church started, so to speak, and then he's going to leave and go somewhere else. That's really an evangelist and a church planner. That's what they did. 
And Paul always, almost always went to the synagogue first because there were the Jews. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's part of God's salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He would go to the Jew first, where they were, tell them about Christ, hoping they would believe. Some did, some didn't. Most of the time they didn't. And so then he would go to the Gentiles in that area, and he would start it, and people would believe, and they'd form a church. He would appoint elders and deacons. He had to do all this. And then he'd leave and go somewhere else. Sometimes, like Ephesus, he stayed there three years. Now he started it, left, then came back and spent three years there. Corinth, he did the same thing. He went through, but then he stayed a year and a half in Corinth. So that's what he did, and that's, that's his plan. And, and here's the thing, and this is before we get on further. What is the key? What is the key to be found faithful? It's Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm not going to ask you to turn there because we all know the verses. It's where the Bible actually says... I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He says, present your lives to God. One of the songs this morning in the church service was talking about giving our lives to God. No, we're not talking about salvation. Salvation isn't you give your life to God. Salvation is you believe in Jesus Christ, and he gives you eternal life. When you give your life to God, that's as a believer, and you say, I want my life to count for Christ. I bese- He's writing to believers. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, believers, you offer your lives to God. That's what we're to do. And then he says, and stop being conformed to the world, but be transformed. And so when we look at this, he says, offer our bodies, be transformed, stop being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the word of God. And I've told you this many, many times. I think I told it in my class, uh, the, the Wednesday night class that I believed in Christ for, for eternal life when I was 19 years old. I didn't start growing until I was about 25 or 26. And I didn't start growing because I believed in Christ, I had eternal life, and I knew I was saved, and I was saved forever. But I wasn't serving him. And there came a point in my life at age 24, 25, 26, that I said to God, I want my life to count for you. Now, that's not salvation. That's, that's service. That's discipleship. That's saying to God, take my life and use me for your glory. This is what Paul, this is what Paul wrote to the Romans, but this is what Paul did himself. And he writes, stop being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the word of God. And you've heard me say this many, many times. If we are not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. If we're not consciously saying, I'm going to put God's Word in my brain, I'm going to study it, I'm going to know it, I'm going to apply it, I'm going to help other people know it, I'm going to consciously be studying and renewing my mind with the Word of God. If we're not consciously being transformed by the Bible, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. And we don't even know what's happening to us. We don't even know that the world's views and values and, and shaping is just pushing us into a mold. And that's why Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, brothers, believers, by the mercies of God, you present your body, your body as a living sacrifice. Give it to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and stop being conformed to this world. He says, stop it. And then he says, and start being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way you can be transformed in your mind is put the Word of God in your brain. And that's what he says. It's powerful. If we're not consciously being transformed by the Word, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. And there's a difference between salvation and discipleship. And this is a discipleship issue. 
Salvation is a gift. It costs us absolutely nothing. It is by grace we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's by faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Discipleship costs us. It costs us our lives. We make a decision. We say, God, I'm going to give you my life. And what you do is you're actually dying to yourself. You're dying. That's why Jesus said, if you do not take up your cross and die to yourself, you cannot be my disciple. It's discipleship. Cost us our lives. We offer our lives to God in service. And there'll be rewards there. Eternal life is not a reward. Eternal life is a gift. So just understand that. And let me just say this, and I'm just looking at time. When people mix up the aspect of eternal life salvation with Christian life salvation, this is called justification. This is called sanctification. Whenever you mix it up and you say you need to live for God to be saved, you've added works for salvation. And anytime you mix these two up, you're going to always have a confused message. You're going to always be telling people, give your life to Jesus. And, 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 and you're, you're confusing it because salvation is not you giving your life to Jesus. Salvation is you trusting, believing in Jesus who gives you eternal life. As a believer, then you say, I want my life to count for you. So we are to give our lives to Jesus, but it's as a believer. It's not to be saved. It's because we are saved. And so real quickly, with just time, uh, um, this, is, this, I'm gonna, this is a map, and, and uh, yeah, I guess you could tell that right here. This is a map. And so here's... <laughs> So Paul's going to leave Jerusalem. He's going to end up going way over here uh, to Tarsus. Tarsus is about right there. He ends up in Antioch, and they're going to leave. And on the first missionary journey, they're going to leave. They're going to go to Cyprus. Then they go up in here, and they go in this whole region, which is called Galatia. And then they come back to there. That's the first missionary journey. Second missionary journey, they're going to leave. They're going to go across to here. Then they're going to go across to here. And then they're going to go here and here and all the way down there. And then they're going to come back. And the third missionary journey, they go across back over here. And they go all around these places again. They come back to here. And then they end up, Paul ends up going to Rome. So let me show you something. You don't, I, think the, I think on the handout, we actually have the journeys. And so it's all, already written there for you. But if you notice on his first missionary journey, that's Acts 13 and, 13 and 14. He goes to Cyprus, Pisidia. That's Antioch, Pisidia. And then he goes to Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. That's all Galatia. Then on the second journey, he leaves, he goes through Lystra, and he goes to Philippi, which is the famous story of the Philippian jailer and uh, you know all that good stuff. And then he goes to Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and Corinth. And it's amazing when he goes to Athens, what happens there. Well, it's amazing when he goes to Corinth. Then he comes back. And then on his third journey, he ends up going to Ephesus, stays there for three years, then goes to Greece, uh, northern, uh, northern and southern Greece, at Philippi, Miletus. He ends up coming back goes to Tyre, Caesarea, and ends up in Jerusalem. And then that's where he made a mistake. Now, by the way, the, the, this is all on the back. I think it's on the back, is it not? Yeah, on the back is this, is, is this information. I'm going to give you more information as we go through it, as we go through the studies, but I just wanted you to see that. There's all kind of things there. We could stop and talk about every one of these, and we will a little bit as we go through it. So let me end with this, and that is this. Here's, here's some, just some questions to ask as we go to Grow Group. How do we respond to what God has called us to do? How do we respond to that? The key is to be faithful, to do what God has for each of us at this time. The second thing is, are our lives a living sacrifice? Have you ever come to the point where you said, Lord, I want my life to count for you? There are many of you in this room that I know. I know that you've said to God, God, take my life and use me for your glory. 
you, you became a believer at some time, and now you've said, I want my life to count for you. If you've never done that, it's a, it's a cost. So be, be, be ready. Be ready, because when you say to God, I give you my life, he'll take it, and he'll use you, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. Because instead of you saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, you're actually saying, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'll go wherever he wants me to go. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. The third one is, are we being transformed or conformed? Are you being transformed by the word of God or are you going to be conformed by the world? And let me tell you, you may be conformed by the world. You don't even realize it. It's unconscious. You've got to consciously be transformed. And then the last one, are we using our gifts and talents and time and possessions now? It's now. This is when it all counts, right now. 